2: You're listening to RotoViz Radio, a fantasy football podcast with your host Matthew Friedman. Hey everyone, I'm Matt Friedman, Matt of the Oracle of the Action Network in RotoViz. Welcome to a special edition of RotoViz Radio. Today we are talking about the Detroit Lions. In between the NFL Combine and the draft, I am interviewing beat reporters for every franchise. Thirty-two teams, thirty-two beat reporters, and thirty-two episodes. We are covering team needs, free agency, draft rumors, basically everything between now and day one of the draft. For this episode, I am joined by Dave Burkett of the Detroit Free Press. He's a beat writer for the Lions and a Pro Football Hall of Fame voter. In this episode, he talks with us about what we can expect to see from Matt Patricia's defense, what the team might do with its first-round pick, and how the team could address the running back and wide receiver positions in the draft. Before we get to the guest... I'd like to remind you that you can get a listeners only 30% discount to a RotoViz NFL Pass through the NFL Podcast homepage, slash podcast. Your subscription gives you unlimited access to all of the premium NFL content on the site, and it also supports the pod. All right, let's get to the guest. Please welcome to the show, Dave Burkett of the Detroit Free Press. You can follow him on Twitter at Dave Burkett, where he provides up-to-the-minute news on anything and everything to do with the Detroit Lions. Dave, how's it going? Doing well. How are you? I'm doing well. It's a good time of year. Uh, the combine has wrapped up. Free agency is uh, about to start, so a lot to look forward to. And uh, let's jump into it. Talking about free agency, the Detroit Lions have uh, about $27 million in calf space. Uh, what do you think they are looking to do with that money?
3: Well, I think the big question right now is what they're going to do with the defensive tackle spot. Haloti Nada, the free agent, and you know, there's a chance they bring him back. He's not going to cost a ton of money, but if the Lions decide to go in another direction, they're going to have to find a run defender, a starting caliber, you know, run plugger to, uh, man the middle of that defensive line so they have a chance to to remake the defense here a little bit they have six free agents on the defensive side of the ball a couple at at each level really and new coach matt patricia in town uh you know he's gonna he's gonna have his handprints all over some of the guys that they add
2: at, at all levels of the defense well yeah let's talk about matt patricia uh what defensive changes in terms of scheme do you think we're going to see with the lions
3: yeah you know he's he's been a little coy about what exactly the Lions are going to do. I mean, I think there's there's no doubt that they'll still probably be a you know a a, a base four man front. They've at least indicated to Ziggy on so that he's going to play with his hand in the dirt. You know, his role isn't going to change a whole lot. Patricia has said they're going to you know take the New England Patriots approach and that they're going to. You know, tailor what they do on a week uh, by week basis to to really what the the opponent you know has their strength, what their strengths are. So you'll see them operate out of some odd man front occasionally. Uh, they'll obviously play a whole lot of a whole lot of sub package, you know, nickel and dime defense. I think you'll see some of that, that three safety look that the Patriots have used a lot in recent years and the Lions have really used. I think that'll be, you know, they'll have a premium on that. And and the one thing Patricia did say is that he wants to be strong up the middle of his defense. That's defensive tackle. That's middle linebacker. That's safety. Of course, they have a few of those guys in place. Jared Davis, their first round pick last year, Glover Quinn at safety. Um, but as I said, they're they're going to need to add another defensive tackle if they don't resign Helodynata, and they're going to need some help at linebacker until Jalen Reeves-Maybin is ready to take over that number two spot.
2: What are your thoughts uh, on Helodynata? Do you think ultimately he is with the team in 2018? You know, I don't I don't have a
3: good sense of that right now. I mean, I think you know he certainly would like to be back. Um, you know, he he had he not got hurt last year, he probably would have retired. But he does not want to go out on an injury. He's indicated as much to the Lions. I think it's just going to come down to to money. You know, Haloti's not going to take the vet minimum to play by any means. But you know, if you're the Lions and you're looking at it, he's a guy who hasn't played a full sixteen game season since 2011. So you also have to be a little bit careful of, of what you do there and, and who you want to go after. So that's one that I think we'll, we'll see, uh, you know, kind of play out here before the start of free agency.
2: You mentioned uh Ziggy Ansaw earlier and uh obviously he was just franchised uh but you mentioned in an article earlier that you wrote that uh it doesn't seem as if the team is really focused on the possibility of a long-term contract how do you think that situation plays out
3: Yeah I, I think Ziggy will end up playing this year on the franchise tag I mean there's but there's there's certainly the chance that it gets done they have until the middle of July to do it uh just the sense I get right now is that you know Ziggy has been uh, from the Lions standpoint, you know, he's been frustrating because of the, the time that he's missed and, and the, the lack of availability he's had even on the practice field because of injuries the last two years. And when he's healthy, he can be a really good pass rusher, as we saw in 2015 when he had 14 and a half sacks. But the Lions need him to be a little more consistent. And I think before they go investing in a long term contract with a lot of guaranteed money for a guy that's going to turn 29 years old later this spring for a guy that, you know, has had a slew of injuries, knee. Ankle, uh, back. You know, he had a, his knee cleaned out a little bit this off season. Um, I think they, they, I think they're going to want to see him do it on the field and do it consistently before they. Insist.
2: So if Ansa isn't a long term guy, there there is the possibility that they could draft his replacement or at least someone to to supplement him this season, and that potentially could be Harold Landry. In your first mock draft, you have him going to the Lions at number twenty in the first round, and that makes sense uh there is this connection there in terms of the new defensive coordinator for the lions being Harold's uh former defensive coordinator at Boston College. Uh then there are also some other intriguing defensive ends who could go in that draft range. Uh what are your thoughts on Landry and then maybe some of the other guys in that range?
3: Yeah, look, I I think you know you need to draft and develop pass rushers because the good ones just don't come free. And you know, we see that in free agency this year and, and from the Lions standpoint. You know, you're not gonna get a chub, obviously. He's going in the top five and, and so you have to sort of assess these other defensive ends and see if you think there's a guy that you can that you can groom and develop and he doesn't need to because you have so he doesn't need to come in and be your top pass rusher right away. And Landry's a guy that, you know, maybe he's not a, a base right end because he's maybe he doesn't have a the size that the Lions want. But again, Matt Patricia's defense will be it's gonna be versatile. Uh, he's going to use guys in different ways. I think he's going to play the guy's strengths. So I'm not sure that, uh, you know, they won't be able to do that. So I, I think Landry, you know, obviously had a really good season in 2016, dealt with an ankle last year, wasn't quite the same player at Boston College, but the Lions know him well. Paul Pasqualoni, as you mentioned, was his defensive line coach. So uh they will have all the insight they need as to, you know, how, how much teams game plan for him, how re- hurt he really was. And, uh, maybe it's a little too early to say for certain whether they like him, but I think he would fit for what the Lions want to do on defense. Uh,
2: of course, with Patricia there, a defensive-minded coach, it would make some sense for them to go a defensive player in the first round. But if they go on the offensive side of the ball, uh, where do you think they would address uh, any positions?
3: Yeah, that's a tough one. I mean, look, it's a really deep running back class, and running back is probably their you know second biggest need, maybe after that that defensive line spot, but. I just don't know that the Lions would would spend that high of a resource on a running back. I mean, with one not named Saquon Barkley at least, and he's certainly not going to be there at 20. So, there's there's some good players: Darius, Geis, Ronald Jones. But I think there might be better value for the Lions at that position on day two. If if I had to say an offensive position. It might be center. I mean, James Daniels from Iowa, he's a guy that could be there at number 20. You know, the Lions are in a spot where they have a little bit of flexibility on their offensive line. It's obviously an important, um, you know, position to Bob Quinn considering the resources that he's invested in at the last couple of years. They drafted Taylor Decker and Graham Glasgow two years ago, they signed Rick Wagner and, and TJ Lang last year. And now they have one open spot, and it could either be left tackle, or I'm sorry, left guard or center. And uh, if they determine that Daniels is a guy that can play center for them, then then maybe they keep Graham Glasgow at at left guard and, and they build from there.
2: All right. Well, in your combine notes, you talked about the running back position and, and maybe first round is too early for the running backs. But as you mentioned, it is a deep class. There could be some value there on day two. Uh, are there any players in particular that you think on day two, maybe early day three would fit in the scheme? And then what do you think that means for the future uh, of Amir Abdullah and Thea Riddick? Yeah, I
3: think, you know, Abdullah is this is the last service contract and barring some sort of great you know season, it's, it's hard for me to see him you know, returning. I mean, I think what the Lions are doing this year is um sort of like we mentioned at the defensive end position, you don't necessarily need a guy that's gonna come in and he's gonna be your running back, you know, every single play, but you have to know that that, you know, this is the guy that's going to take over eventually. So um, you know, I, I think there's there's a host of names really. I mean Sony Michelle, uh, you know, Nick Chubb, yeah, I mentioned Geis and, and Ronald Jones earlier, depending on where that those guys go. Um, I, I just think it's a deep enough draft that you can get a guy that can, um, you know, he can complement Amir Abdullah. He can compliment Theo Riddick because he, it doesn't matter if he, you know, you don't need a big power back. You don't need just the receiving back. You just need a guy that uh, can play a, a role this year, and then maybe when Abdullah is gone in 2019, he takes over as your lead back. Maybe it's this year if he he proves good enough, but I don't think that necessarily has to be the case. And Riddick obviously is a guy that you know he's been so big for them catching passes but let's not forget that he's also had a uh, some some wrist issues the last couple seasons and the guaranteed money on his contract is 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 running out here soon so um you know it's something that if the lions do end up getting a guy that they they feel can be a three down back for them you know they're not tied into anybody that's currently on the roster at the running back position
2: all right, well, one of the strengths of the offense, uh, at least I think, is in the receiving unit, uh, I mean, a, a number of guys there, you have Golden Tate, Marvin Jones, and then Kenny Galladay is a second-year receiver who, uh, who flashed at times and was a, a pretty impressive player at the Combine. Uh, it seems as if the Lions are not expected to tender uh, TJ Jones. Do you think that the Lions move forward with the three guys that they have, uh, or do you think that they're looking to supplement some through the draft?
3: Well, I, I still think they'd like to have, you know, TJ Jones back. And, and frankly, you know, when I heard that, um, you know, that that surprised me. You know, when when I told that news that, that they weren't going to be tendering TJ a little bit, because I think for a guy who's a number three or four receiver, you know, a little bit less than $2 million, mm-hmm. not a huge price to pay, but Jones is coming off an injury. So maybe they're hoping that his, his market is, is a little bit depressed. But yeah, look, Marvin Jones, Golden Tate, Kenny Galladay, those are going to be your top three receivers going forward. Um, you know, they've, they've, they showed last year that having a good number four, like TJ Jones was, uh, you know, that can be a, a value too. And I think, yeah, they're going to need to, if they don't, regardless if they bring TJ Jones back or not, I, I think maybe they look at, you know, a, a, the slot receiver position and, and you look to add somebody there in the, the mid to, to later rounds, maybe early day three type, just because look, Golden Tate's in the last year of his contract, you see how big salaries are getting for some of these receivers right now. I don't know when Golden Tate's 30 years old next year and he's a free agent if the Lions want to be handing him a 10 or $12 million contract. So uh, per season that is. So I think if you can, if you can find a, a slot receiver right now that you can, you can groom to take over for Tate, you know, I think that's something that again, you don't need production out of him right away. He can spend a year developing and, and maybe you can get your guy on day three of the draft.
4: Terms and conditions apply for entertainment purposes only. Void where prohibited. Uh,
2: I'm I'm kind of curious about the uh, the influence of uh, of Jim Caldwell. Uh, obviously, no longer with the team. How do you think that changes anything, if at all, with what we see with the offense?
3: Well, you know that's a good question because that's something that Jim Bob Cougar has never really answered, despite our uh, you know our, our repeated questions on the subject. Was how he felt about the running game, what more he would want to do. And, and, you know, was look, the lines didn't run the ball well at all. And, and sometimes they, you know, they, they were a little too, um, yeah, I, I think they stuck with it a little too long trying to get something there when, when it certainly wasn't breaking. And, and so, um, I think, look, it, it, there's a change in offensive, uh, line coach as well. That's going to help the running game. Um, you know, there's, they still have the same running backs coach. They still have the same coordinator. So we, we don't know about the flow of the game in terms of the play calling and, and what, you know, how, how Jim Bob Cooter will different this year under Matt Patricia than he would have under, or than he was the last couple of years under, under Jim Caldwell. So I, I think that's a, that's a really good question. That's one that there's not a, uh, a real easy answer for, you know, I can tell you that, you know, the players certainly respected Jim Caldwell. And I think from that you know standpoint, he'll be missed, but, you know, Matt Patricia has some of the same qualities of, you know, he's going to be demanding on guys. There's going to be no doubt, but I think players will respect him at the end of the day.
2: You know, with with a new coach there, I don't know if it's easy to look at a type of player at this point and say like, oh, he would fit really well with what this team wants to do or or like the personality or style of this team. But were there any players at the combine that you looked at him and you could think like, yeah, I could see that guy in a Lions uniform. He just looks like the type of player this team would want.
3: Yeah, well, I mean, we mentioned Harold Landry earlier, you know, and, and I think he was one of them just because of, you know, I think that that versatility and and. Um, you know, the, you know, I guess the, the ties, obviously the Pasquale and maybe what he can do on the edge, but another one that maybe is a little bit, you know, off the radar, and this isn't a, a size speed, you know, uh, you know, weight thing. It was just talking to him, Mark Walton, the, the running back from, from Miami, um, you know, hearing his story, hearing some of the passion that he spoke with, you know, knowing, I guess, some of the, the respect that people had for him down in Miami, you know, he was a guy and again the Lions need a running back. Um, he was a guy that I walked away from from, you know, talking to him saying, Man, that's a guy that I think, you know, would, would fit in the Lions running back room and and really be a good addition, even though, you know, maybe he's not the, the biggest guy or maybe he doesn't, you know, fit exactly what you want from a, a skill standpoint. Uh, you know, if you want a bigger back, I guess to to complement Amir Abdullah. But that's why I say I think they have some some versatility at that position because you look at the roster and a lot of those guys, uh, you know, won't be, uh, you know, on this team in, in 2019. So and I think there's one other name as well, the Wake Forest safety, Jesse Bates. I know he's, you know, people have started to mention his name a little bit just on, on defense. Look, the Lions need a guy that eventually they're going to have to groom to replace, uh, you know, Glover Quinn. And Bates is a guy that, you know, he's, he's young enough. He's got some ball skills. I think he's, he's got the height, you know, he's got the length. He's got some of those things that maybe the lions, some of the traits that the lions will be looking for. So that's maybe a little bit of a, an off the radar name that uh, another guy that after I got done talking to him, I was like, you know what, he would, he would fit with the the type of personality the lions want uh, on defense.
2: Yeah. I like that. That's some great insight. Uh, one more question here. You are a hall of fame voter and uh, some people have, compared saquon barkley to barry sanders as kind of like his running style but as like a larger barry sanders uh in in the sort of like macro perspective as someone who has a longer view uh, of nfl history what do you think of that comparison and then just what are your thoughts on saquon barkley in general Hey,
3: if Saquon Barkley is half the player Barry Sanders was, then he'll be a Hall of Famer too. Because I mean, Barry was—you know—I was young when I was watching him play. I was kind of when I was growing up, but best running back I've ever seen. And yeah, I don't know that I've—I've I've seen enough of, of Saquon to to put that on Barry. I mean, the way that Barry just made people miss and the things that he did spinning people around—I um, yeah, just don't know of any other running back that that I can recall that that's done that. But I think Saquon Barkley's a heck of a player and. Obviously, he's going to be a you know top three, top five pick, whatever it is. I think he's going to have a long, long career. I mean, the, the as fast as he is, as big as he is, as powerful as he is, you know, some of the things that he can do. I was fortunate that you know I got a chance to watch him a little bit, obviously during his college career, being up here in Big Ten country. So uh, it, it doesn't surprise me that he's he's getting the the accolades and the praise that he is right now from, from everybody who's talking about him coming out of the draft and talking about him, maybe being the number one overall pick. I, I don't think that's going to happen. I just think the value is, is too great for, for quarterbacks. Uh, but look, if it's going to be a running back that does it, uh, you know, Saquon wouldn't be a bad guy to be, uh, to be the guy to, to, uh, you know, be the first running back take, taking first overall in a couple decades.
2: All right, Dave, this was fantastic. Thank you for all of your insight, and we hope to talk with you again as we get closer to the season.
3: No problem. We'll do it again. Thanks.
2: We just finished speaking with Dave Burkett, a Lions beat writer for the Detroit Free Press. We covered a lot. Here are some of my thoughts on what he had to say uh, first, we spoke about the potential impact of Matt Patricia on the defense. Uh, maybe any defensive scheme changes that we might see, uh, as was the case with uh, Patricia in New England with the Patriots, uh, he is likely to employ a multiple, uh, you know, a multiple front uh, where it can be four-three. It can also switch to three-four, and that they're going to want to be very. Uh, matchup-focused, very versatile in what they do. Uh, And I think uh, it it makes sense. I think there's always the question of whether Patricia is going to be able to do that outside of uh, the tutelage uh, or the oversight of Bill Belichick. Uh, And part of it has to do with, um, I don't want to say... Uh, That the defense that the Patriots have had over the last couple of years was incompetent, but it was very much a bend but don't break type of defense Uh, and that can work theoretically when you have an offense on the other side of the ball uh, with a great quarterback who can control the clock. Uh, and who can put up a lot of points, because then that will put pressure on the opposing offense, and the defense can play a, a, uh, a different type of style. So it's just a question as to whether uh, Patricia will be able to do in Detroit uh, what he had the benefit, I guess, or the luxury of being able to do in New England. Um, and also there's the question of uh, coordinators, once they leave New England, how they perform outside of Belichick's shadow. Um, It's been mixed to this point. Uh, There have been coordinators who have done well as head coaches uh, and then coordinators uh, who really have kind of fallen flat. And there's a question as to how much of that has to do with um, has to do with the team, the situation that they get into. Uh, maybe they are spreading themselves too thin. And instead of focusing more on the X's and O's and game plans, they're also focusing on personnel decisions and contracts. So uh, I think it it will be interesting to see at a minimum what Matt Patricia does uh, and how he is able to do it. I think if he's focusing primarily on the defense, on the game plan, And it seems as if he's going to leave a lot of uh, the offensive side of things to Jim Bob Cooter, which is good. But if Patricia can focus primarily on the defense and not have to think about a lot of the the bigger picture things in terms of personnel, I think that will help him. Um, This kind of feeds into a little bit what the team might do with its first-round pick. Uh, I I did a mock draft uh, about a month ago for uh, Fantasy Labs where uh, I mocked Darius Geis to the Lions with the first-round pick, pick number 20. Um, and I still think a pick like that would make sense. I could see it happening. But because Patricia is a defensive-minded coach, and because um, the, you know there are some holes on that defense, uh, I definitely could see them going with a defensive player up front, whether that is a defensive tackle, uh, maybe to replace Haloti Nada, whether that's this year or next year. Um, or to replace Ansa, who might be there for one year, but uh, you know could also depart. Or even if it's not replace Ansa, just to play on the other side of him. Um, my question would be whether they will actually be able to find a player in the draft at pick 20 who can do some of the things that they will want uh, a, a high-end defensive player to be able to do. Um, whether Harold Landry will be there, I could see him going before that. Um, Marcus Davenport would maybe be someone that they would consider as an edge player. Um, but he is fairly raw at this point. And so, uh, I mean, he might be gone at the same time, if he is there at 20, um, I don't know if you actually want to invest that pick in him or not. Uh, Arden key was someone who, you know, maybe a month or two ago would have been thought of as being in consideration there, but, uh, it seems as if there are issues with him and at the combine, he showed up very small, um, and then Bradley Chubb will obviously be off the board by then. So it, it's a question as to what if they want to go defensive end with that pick, if there will be the player uh, who is available there for them to do that. Um, if they go running back, I think guys will probably be the guy. He had a fantastic combine. Uh, I think it would be too early for Rashad Penny, not in terms of his actual NFL ability. I I could see him actually having a better career than guys in, in uh, the rankings I have at Fantasy Labs. I have him ranked number two. I just don't see the NFL being high enough on him, the uh, the general market being high enough on him for the Lions to select him at the twentieth pick. But guys is someone who I think could be in play there, and I think he could do well. The one of the issues with the uh, the Lions offense for years, even you know when they had Reggie Bush, who was you know being competent there, they haven't had a strong running presence. Um, you know, Bush was more of a receiving back. And then that transitioned into, uh, you know, Abdullah, who is at his best been a receiving back. Uh, theoretic is more of a, like a slot type of receiver who just plays out of the backfield than an actual running back. Um, they haven't had a strong running presence there. Uh, and so that's, that's definitely something that they will look to address, uh, I think whether that's in round one or on day two, uh, I think day two would actually be the smart place to do it. If you miss out on guys, uh, that's fine. Guys will probably go uh, in round one or early in round two. Um, but picking in the second half of uh, the second round, there's still a lot of value there. Uh, that is where you could get uh, you know, maybe Sony Michel, Nick Chubb, Um, Rashad Penny, I think would still be available there. And I think that would be a fantastic, uh, a fantastic selection for them. Um, there definitely is some work that needs to be done there with the running back group. And so, um, going, going on day two would probably provide a lot of value. One thing to think about is, uh, and I, I, it's kind of the flip side of Patricia and thinking about how he will do without Belichick, um, to think about, Jim Caldwell's influence on the team for the last four years and what his absence might mean uh, and specifically what that might mean for Jim Bob Cooter uh, as a as a coordinator as a play caller um, Caldwell I think gets a a bad rap I don't think that he's particularly great at uh, <laughs> in fact I think he's bad at in-game management but I think he's Probably pretty good at organizing a team and providing a a steady influence. And people will act like as if he had a a bad tenure in Detroit. Um, But really, it was pretty good 11 and 5 his first year, his second year, the one losing season at 7 and 9, and then 9 and 7 the last two years. I think if. when Caldwell was hired, you could have told Detroit Lions fans that they would have winning football in three of the next four years. They instantly would have taken that. And if you would have said at that time, you know, a condition of this is that Caldwell ends up being coached for the fifth season, I think they would all say, fine, a guy who has winning seasons three out of four years should be allowed to, to stay as coach into his fifth year. Um, but that wasn't the case with with Caldwell. Uh, I think Caldwell had a very good impact on Matt Sta- uh, Matt Stafford. Uh, Caldwell was a quarterback coach for Peyton Manning. Um, you know, he had two seasons of very good winning football with the Colts as head coach. The one year in which he didn't have good football with the Colts, 2011 season, when Manning wasn't there uh and you could say like well it's on the coach to make sure that they have a good backup quarterback uh, or that the the team doesn't disintegrate without their starter under center and that is true to a, an extent but i think that is also more on the general manager than on the head coach and uh it was just a a total trash show uh for indianapolis in 2011 with the general manager that they had uh, so I think Caldwell's influence uh, on Manning and then on Stafford has probably been undervalued. So kind of big picture, you are getting rid of a coach who had a good influence on the quarterback. Matt Stafford's career numbers have improved under Caldwell. Uh, his his uh, you know like pre uh, pre Caldwell splits with Caldwell, um, they're you know they're clearly better with Caldwell there. Uh, So you have a coach that you've gotten rid of who has a winning record, who helped improve the quarterback and who brought in a good coordinator first as a a quarterback coach and then elevated him to coordinator and a guy who seemed to uh, help your quarterback become a better version of himself. Um, I don't know if it's reasonable to think that Patricia could do better than what Caldwell has done. And I also don't know if it's reasonable for us to assume that Jim Bob Cooter will actually be as good of a, a play caller or a coordinator without Jim Caldwell being there to help guide him. Um, even even if Cooter is better in certain facets, he on the whole might not be as good as Caldwell was. So um, it'll be interesting to see offensively how it is that they, they organize themselves. Do they focus a little bit more on the run? Um, Do they maybe give Matt Stafford a little more leniency in terms of uh, calling audibles? Uh, And and I forgot to ask in this interview, anything about Eric Ebron, um, which was just like a donkey move. Um, There are rumors that he might be traded, uh, that the lions are listening to trade offers for him. Uh, what role could he be expected to play? Are they looking to to move on? Um, you know, Ebron is a guy who uh, has been uh, I don't know tantalizingly disappointing, if that's like a way of thinking about this. Uh, he's flashed, um, and his potential is there. A former first round pick, but he's always fallen short. But he is still very young, and in terms of um, not his touchdown production. But his uh, reception total, his yardage, he's actually been pretty decent through the first four years of his career. And so if they could come up with an offensive scheme that really maximizes what he can do within the system uh, and then makes use of the trio of three wide receivers they have, uh, you know, and then that's balanced with a good uh, volume type of runner who can um, also complement through the receiving game. There could be a lot of potential there. So it's going to be interesting to see how that all comes about. And then, you know, kind of final thoughts, uh, Kenny Galladay, you know, this is, this the year, you know, it's uh, we were all in on him and he had a fantastic um, I almost hate to to say this Stephen Hill type of NFL debut in week one um, and then had injury issues and didn't do much for the rest of the season. The big question is, how is he going to progress? Because he could be a huge fantasy asset, um, especially if you uh, are looking to fade a little bit. Golden Tate and Marvin Jones, with the idea that um, you know maybe uh, you know a new uh, in in a post Caldwell era, uh, maybe they won't do quite as well, and they're also another year advanced. And you have a, a guy young, athletic, much bigger. Um, you know, starting to enter the beginning of his prime. Um, Galladay could be a guy who's really intriguing. It just depends on on how this offense functions as a whole. Uh, so a, a very, um, I, th- I think it's a, a, a very interesting situation in Detroit. Uh, it could either go wonderfully well And Patricia's defense could be great. Jim Bob Cooter, the offense could be great. Uh, or both of those guys could end up uh, underperforming, given that they uh, they don't have the um, the mentors overseeing them the way that they did last year. So that's going to do it for this Lions focused special edition of Rotoviz Radio. Be sure to check out the episodes for all the other teams on Rotoviz and the podcast feed. I'm Matt Freeman, Matt if the Oracle. Thanks for tuning in. Thank you for listening to this special edition of Rotoviz of Radio, the flagship Rodoviz Podcast. Special thanks to Hassan Rahim, the producer for this episode, and to Colin Kelly, the assistant executive producer for the podcast channel. Please review the show on iTunes under the Rotoviz Radio feed. Contact us via email, at gmail.com. We'd love to hear what you think, and follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the show by subscribing to Rotoviz at a 30% discount through the NFL Podcast homepage, Rotoviz.com slash podcast.
1: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. They call you the Grill Master. You've seared the thickest porterhouse in the butcher shop. And as you lift that first forkful to your mouth, you savor the moment